As the soldiers led him away, they seized Simon from Cyrene, who was on his way in from the country, and put the cross on him and made him carry it behind Jesus. A large number of people followed him, including women who mourned and wailed for him. Jesus turned and said to them, Daughters of Jerusalem, do not weep for me. Weep for yourselves and for your children. For the time will come when you will say, Blessed are the childless women, the wombs that never bore and the breasts that never nursed. Then they will say to the mountains, Fall on us, and to the hills, cover us. For if people do these things when the tree is green, what will happen when it is dry? Two other men, both criminals, were also led out with him to be executed. When they came to the place called the Skull, they crucified him there along with the criminals, one on his right, the other on his left. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And they divided up his clothes by casting lots. The people stood watching, and the rulers even sneered at him. They said, Ha <laughs> ha! He saved others, let him save himself! If he is God's Messiah, the chosen one! <laughs> the soldiers also came up and mocked him. They offered him wine vinegar and said, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself! <laughs> There was a written notice above him, which read, This is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us! But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said, since you are under the same sentence? We are punished justly, for we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus answered him, Truly I tell you, today you will be with me. In paradise. It was now about noon, and darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon, for the sun stopped shining, and the curtain of the temple was torn in two. Jesus called out with a loud voice, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. When he had said this, he breathed his last. The centurion, seeing what had happened, praised God and said, Surely this was a righteous man. When all the people who had gathered to witness this sight saw what took place, they beat their breasts and went away. But all those who knew him, including the women who had followed him from Galilee, stood at a distance watching these things. 
Now there was a man called Joseph, a member of the council, a good and upright man, who had not consented to their decision and action. He came from the Judean town of Arimathea, and he himself was waiting for the kingdom of God. Going to Pilate, he asked for Jesus' body. Then he took it down, wrapped it in linen cloth, and placed it in a tomb cut in the rock, one in which no one had yet been laid. It was preparation day, and the Sabbath was about to begin. The women who had come with Jesus from Galilee followed Joseph and saw the tomb and how his body was laid in it. Then they went home and prepared spices and perfumes. But they rested on the Sabbath in obedience to the commandment. It's great to be here with you on Good Friday, to spend time together with you reflecting on Jesus' death, on his last words from the cross. You know, first and last words are always significant. I don't know about you, but when I watch the news, for example, I'm always looking for that first headline. Are things worse or better than they were yesterday? And if you have babies in your family, you know, it's always great watching out for those first words. And, you know, often families will argue, well, she said my name before yours. And I know my granddaughter, she's nearly 18 months. And last week uh, she started to sing Let It Go from Frozen. Um, we didn't understand most of the rest of the things that she says, but I think that just reflects the amount of Disney that they've been watching during this lockdown. So in Luke chapter 23, we're going to be looking at first and last words. You know, Pilate, his first words to Jesus when Jesus is brought to him are this. Are you king of the Jews? Jesus doesn't really... Um, ask, answer him in a direct way. He's quite cryptic. He says, well, if you say so. But for those of us that have faith in Jesus, we know the answer. I mean, Jesus isn't just king of the Jews. He's king of kings. He's king of our lives. And that is important to us, isn't it? That's as people of faith. But Jesus had been brought before Pilate to prove that he was a threat. And so this question is very important. The Jewish council, they'd already decided that Jesus was guilty of blasphemy. In effect, he was a religious heretic, but they want to prove that he's also a political threat, that he's subverting the nation, that he's treasonous in effect. And so the answer to this question is important. They want him to be found guilty because if they hand him over to Pilate and Pilate accepts his guilt, then uh, the Roman way of justice will be carried forward and he will be crucified. We know that's what happened. And in fact, before then, he is beaten and humiliated and mocked and taunted. He is brought low by the soldiers that are at Pilate's command. And although there are lots of people around Jesus at this time, soldiers and the crowd in the background calling for him to be crucified, 
actually he stands alone. No one reaches out to comfort him, to speak to him kindly. In fact, Luke tells us that later on when Jesus goes for his crucifixion, his family and friends are watching at a dis distance. They, they can't come close because of the fears they have. I wonder how you're finding it, keeping in touch with your friends and families. Do you feel alone at this time? I know many of us have got quite creative at sending notes and um, going on Zoom or WhatsApp to try and make that contact with people. And in these days, it's not just people who live thousands of miles away, it's people who live around the corner that we just can't see anymore. And Jesus, on the worst day of his life, he is isolated as well. He's alone in what he faces. And many of us have known really tough times in this season being far from the people we love. Some of us have friends and family members in hospital that we can't visit. Others have gone through the, you know, really heartbreaking tragedy of loss without being able to say their goodbyes and hear the last words of the people they love. Some terrible moments in this time that we're experiencing. And Jesus himself, he was alone. But even in that moment, in that moment where he is alone and suffering, he reaches out to the people around him. And we see that in the words that he speaks as he goes to the cross and from the cross. So I'd like to look at those words. We're gonna to turn to Luke 23. If you've got a Bible, you could turn to it and go through those words with me. In verse 28, Jesus is on his way to the cross and he's surrounded by crowds, but he still, finds the effort, the energy to reach out and to warn them and to grab their attention about the terrible things that are happening. In verse 34, he forgives those who are nailing him to the cross, who are just casually gambling with his clothes. He speaks words of forgiveness. In verse 43, he speaks words of hope to the criminal who is being crucified next to him. You know, that man, despite the agony that he was facing, you know, as he's dying, he's reaching out for life from Jesus. He somehow sees in Jesus truth and he asks Jesus for mercy. He recognizes his own guilt. He admits his own shame. And he asked Jesus to forgive him. And Jesus responds. Even in that dark moment, he responds with love and grace and forgiveness and says, truly, I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. Aren't those the words we want to hear when our life comes to an end? Or when we're praying for someone we know who is critically ill? 
Don't we have the hope that whatever someone's background or previous beliefs or behaviors, that as they face death, they will see who Jesus is and they will cry out for mercy and Jesus will respond with forgiveness and grace. You know, as the people of God, we really believe in healing and we're going to pray and fight for the kingdom of God to come on earth during this crisis, for people to be healed and saved and rescued. But we must also be equally strong in our belief in the hope of heaven and that our entry into eternal life is totally based on Jesus' grace and forgiveness. What a saviour who reaches out towards us, even in these moments. Finally, Jesus cries out, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit, and he breathes his last. These were words of faith and trust, not failure or despair. In this moment, in these last words, Jesus is remembering Psalm 31 and he's quoting it, which says, Into your hands I commit my spirit. Deliver me, Lord, my faithful God. This is a psalm that includes anguish and affliction and shame and pain and yet also interweaves through it trust in God, the wonder of God's love, God's mercy. So Jesus' last words lean into the mercy of God. Chapter 23 begins with Pilate, with all his authority and status, asking if Jesus is a king. And the chapter ends with uh, Joseph of Arimathea going back to Pilate and actually putting aside his own privilege and status as a member of the Jewish council and asking, can I bury Jesus? Can I have his body? According to Mark, Joseph was a prominent member of the council. He didn't agree with what happened. He was a good man. But whether he stood up for Jesus during the trial, the interrogation, we don't know. Uh, We don't know whether he spoke any words to defend Jesus. We do know that he he would have heard the words of Jesus because he would have been there in the trial listening. He would have known that Jesus had taken on himself the title Son of Man, that Jesus had, had said that he would be at the right hand of God. And I wonder as he heard those words, as he saw how Jesus suffered, because the council also watched the crucifixion, they were keen to see that justice was done. As he saw those things unfold, as he heard Jesus forgive the soldiers and forgive the criminal, was it then he began to believe that Jesus was the Son of God, that Jesus was the true King of the Jews? We don't know. He may have believed in Jesus silently for a while. He may have had that, you know, conflict of conscience as he saw all that was happening. 
But finally, he comes to the point where he decides he will go to Pilate. He will risk his own life. He will no doubt lose his place on the council and he will ask for Jesus' body to give him a decent burial. Jesus, jo Joseph would have been the only person on that day to reach out to Jesus with love and dignity, to care for his physical body. That's quite a thought. You know, right now we're so grateful, aren't we, for people who care and show compassion to people who are suffering in our community care workers, nurses, doctors. We're so thankful for them. Let's keep praying for them as they show dignity and compassion to people who are suffering. Jesus said, if you do that you, to people, the least of these people, you're doing it unto me. And we all need to be the kind of people who reach out where we can, whether it's to a lonely neighbour, an elderly relative. Let's do our part to reach out and show love and compassion in this time. Many of us know this isn't the end of the story. Joseph taking Jesus and burying him, that wasn't the end. We're going to celebrate on Easter Day that Jesus rose from the dead. That tomb couldn't hold him. Millions of people know that and have put their trust in Jesus, our precious Saviour. But I just want us to consider two things as we look at this story of Good Friday. Firstly, you know, whatever you are facing right now, this story, this chapter tells us that Jesus has suffered. Jesus has suffered the worst of things. So he can be with you in whatever you're going through. He knows what it is to stand alone. He knows what it is to suffer. He knows what death is like. And so he walks alongside you today. If you're suffering, if you're ill, if you're mourning, he is with you. He understands you. What a saviour we have. And the second thing is that Jesus on the cross show that, shows us that he is willing to reach out to anyone who will admit their guilt and shame and ask him for mercy. He wants to forgive people. He longs for you to come home to him, for you to have a hope in this world, but also in the next, to know that you are secure, to know that you are part of the people of God. And that offer still stands today of hope and grace and forgiveness in Jesus Christ. Let's just pray together. Oh Jesus, we thank you so much for all you suffered and died for us. We can hardly take it in, all that you withstood because you'd been sent into this world to show the Father's love, to demonstrate that if we will 
repent and believe in you. We can be forgiven. We can be brought into your kingdom, whatever our background, whatever our status, we can know grace flowing into our lives because you died for us. And Lord, I just pray that you will be close to anyone who is suffering at this moment, that they will know deeply that you are with them, that you have suffered yourself and that your grace and your power is available to them today. Lord, we thank you that you are the Saviour who died and rose again for us. Amen.